Well, Dick, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this edition of the Victory Bells podcast. Brought to you from right here in the hypnotic Donuts Studio. If you haven't been checking those guys out in DFW, uh, if you live in Denton, if you live in Dallas, uh, go check out James and our guys out at Hypnotic Donuts because they're supporting the podcast and they're supporting several other things we're doing. And uh, Matt, I know you mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but uh, you obviously uh, made a little trip out there here whenever you were home for Thanksgiving. I did, man. Um, donuts are great. I'd highly suggest the uh, – oh, now I'm not going to remember the name of it. Um, Amy's Biscuit. There you, go. there you go. But they had like four or five different types of biscuits, and I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking like a ch- – but it's like four times that size, so you can just go to town on that thing. They were delicious, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate their them sponsoring the podcast and a uh, big believer in what they do because uh, if you've never met me before, I'm a big guy. And uh, my dad once taught me, don't trust a skinny chef. And I think you could say the same thing about, uh, you know, don't don't trust a skinny guy with your, your food recommendations. Trust a uh, trust a round man. You know what uh, What we need to put on our man, uh, if our man James is, just has like a billboard, it said, the, fir- the first thing you said is donuts are good. And that just needs to be in quotes, Matt Claire. Yeah, <laughs> donuts are good. Well, I mean, at at some like I told you guys last week, I mean, the, the I told you about the whole experience. I just didn't want to retread it, but yeah. I mean, you, you know, you could taste the 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 ingredients. Uh, you can taste the craftsmanship, if you will. It's not your, uh, you know. Good morning, donuts on the corner that you grab before school or work. It's uh, it's some good stuff. I think it's I think it's worth uh, taking the trip if you're in Dallas or Denton. You know, absolutely. It absolutely is, and uh, it's holiday season, so the kiddos are out of school, are going to be a lot, and you're going to have lots of trips you can make, so uh, I suggest jumping on it. And speaking of the holiday season, Matt, it is now December, which means we are in the thick of it as far as uh, bowl season, in-home visits, uh, official visitors, the whole shebang, we're getting it rolling right now. Uh, all across the board, lots of stuff going on right now. Uh, quickly wanted to mention real quick, too, uh, good for the Red Raider basketball team. They defeated Nevada on Tuesday night, uh, 22nd-ranked Nevada in overtime, which was a lot of fun. I was there. If you weren't there, you missed out. Just quickly wanted to mention that before we moved on. But anyway, Matt, uh, first thing we wanted to cover tonight, speaking of all this 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 craziness that always goes on every year in December, uh, Red Raiders obviously going bowling this year. Uh, they draw the Birmingham Bowl, where they're going to take on South Florida. And uh, it's not the you know flashiest of matchups or the flashiest of bowl games, but hey, you're going bowling against a uh, Charlie Strong team that went uh, nine and two this year and uh, played some good uh, good football. Yeah, I will be the first to admit I know nothing <laughs> about South Florida. I'm googling their schedule now. Um, you know, but you mentioned it's a a nice little. Uh, I guess nice little add-on that that uh, Charlie Strong took over that program. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a nat- nationally ranked opponent, so you actually come into the game as a slight underdog. 
Uh, but from what I have gathered and read, and, and maybe you can fill in more blanks on the right. X's and O's and the, the names to know, and we'll certainly do that before the game over the next few weeks here. Uh, maybe we'll even you know get somebody from that site to join us and talk a little bit. Um, but I've heard you know quick uh, quick offense, uh, spread them out, athletic quarterback who can run the ball. Yes. Um, and I guess as I thought and I read all of this, it's funny to me. It seemed like all the things that people would traditionally say about Texas Tech whenever you know the bowl matchups would come around, right? <laughs> yeah, Is that yeah. you know fast offense, score a lot of points, yada yada yada. Well. I don't know if we can really say that about the tech offense this season. Are they capable of that? Yes. You know, has that, that has that really shown in the numbers? No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It looks like uh, they uh, they barely lost to UCF. They they beat some other opponents. And I'm yeah. trying to look here. I mean, <laughs> they, the, you know, uh, they, the, the no, one com- – I guess there is a common opponent. I mean, we could look at Houston. They, yes, they did yeah, lose yeah. to Houston. Um, so anyway, I don't know. There's my crack yeah. analysis at this one, but <laughs> all that said, I don't know much about those guys. Um, no, and it's fair not to know a lot. I'll just kind of say that for, based off what I've gathered, they were kind of the preseason, like group of five favorite to get a, a new year's six bowl kind of a team. Uh, Willie Taggart was the head coach there before Charlie strong was and did a really like really damn good job of recruiting a whole lot of good players and, turn them into a, a team similar to Houston where all their athletes are all kind of power for power five level, you know, those kind of players, uh, maybe, you know, more of, you know, more in between of group of five and power five, but they've still got a lot of good players. Like I said, uh, one of the, the guys that you need to kind of really, the, the guy that makes it all go is Quentin flowers. Who's a senior quarterback for them, uh, ran for almost 950 yards this year and threw for 2,600 and, That'll really kind of be what they do is is focus on running the ball and and, and trying to run it downhill at you. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, yeah, you kind of you're going to go into that bowl game as a slight point underdog. I would guess it would not surprise me at all if it flips the other way uh, because the only team they beat that went that was bowl eligible this year is Temple, and Temple went six and six, and basically everyone else on their schedule that they beat was hot garbage. So right. <laughs> don't really so like don't really know what to think of the schedule. Like they played UCF close in what was an awesome game and UCF obviously went undefeated. Uh played played Houston close but couldn't pull that one out either. So yeah, I don't know what Yeah, and we'd be giant it. hypocrites if we got on here and said <laughs> You know, like everyone else did on Saturday. Oh, no defense played in that one. Girl, girl, girl. You know, I don't know anything yeah. about these teams. I'm going to say something stupid like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I guess what we'll do over the next couple of weeks and, and before you and I talk on the podcast again is let's just take a closer look at that Houston game. Uh, Houston has some 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 pretty bad guys on defense. Yes, sir. Um, and that probably helped. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be interesting to look at that game because that's your common opponent. And then maybe just take a deeper dive into to what this matchup is. But yep. I mean, you know, I think you hit hit it on the head. I mean, it's just good to go back to a bowl. Obviously, a lot of folks wanted to drive down the street to Dallas and and watch the game together. But now it's perfect. Nice. Yeah, you know, and uh, so so everybody's kind of talking through their pros and cons. But um, you know, this will be a new one. And and like I said, I mean, it's kind of interesting with you know the way Tech you know became bowl eligible. And then you know, I think the thing for me outside of just analyzing the bowl and doing all of that is is you know maybe what have you guys heard about uh, bowl practices you know what that schedule is like what media availability you guys are going to get because yeah. 
you know, you didn't have that last year. And I mean, I don't really care about the media availability. That's great. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, is you get all these guys that are red shirting and you get all these guys who are going to come in um, and, and contribute um, and you get them all those extra practices. And I just I can't stress enough um, how valuable that is for a young team. I mean, it's just it's tremendous, especially when you know that um, your quarterback is leaving. Um, I think it'll be so interesting to see how they play that, whether they're winning, losing, uh, you know, if he has a short rope or whatever the case may be with Shimanek and Carter and possibly even Duffy, um, because really nothing's on the line. I mean, you win, awesome. You you lose, I mean, it's not a it's not a yeah, big deal, right? I mean, it's a Birmingham bowl. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I will tell you, we spoke with players on Tuesday afternoon uh, just, just, just to kind of get their thoughts on the bowl game and, and just kind of where they're at right now. And all the guys we talked to who were – I mean, the only guys we talked to were all juniors and seniors. And they were all in street clothes and must have had, like, some, like, workout indoors because while they were doing that, all the younger guys were out in full pads practicing, doing all that. So my guess is that you're – and like most teams, that they're really using, I think, probably – and just kind of a guess – uh, they'll probably use kind of the first half of bowl practices, so they get 15 of them. They'll use the first half really to just get all these younger guys a whole ton of reps and, and really get them, you know, rolling. And then they'll probably use the last half of the reps to uh, game prep and game plan and do all that kind of thing and get these guys ready to rock and roll uh, for the bowl game. So yeah, that's the exciting thing about this time of year is you just get those young guys a whole ton of reps, and I think that's a lot of fun whenever you consider the fact that. This team returns 10 starters on defense. Uh, you're going to return, I think it ends up being nine or eight starters on offense. And then from there, uh, you have a ton of guys that redshirted or younger guys that didn't play a lot. So, I mean, it's a team that you bring back almost every single piece of it outside of your quarterback, uh, a defensive tackle, and then just a couple other things. So excited for that, you know. Yeah, sounds like my dog's excited too. Your dog is excited. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I I don't have anything else to add to that. Yeah. It's exciting. I it's one of those things where I, I joked earlier about how you know we're talking about the high scoring offense from from the the bowl opponent, and then you may or may not be able to say the same thing about Tech. When, can you remember the last time that um, that that Tech returned so much going into the the um, next season, but 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 that there was still so much uncertainty around the quarterback position. I mean, would it, yeah. would that be, I don't know. You tell me, I don't want to, I answer. mean, if, if, I mean that 2013 team returned a whole lot, you know, from that 2012 football team, uh, your, 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 your receivers were a little bit different, but uh, your receivers and offensive line were different, but, uh, you kind of returned all the same running backs. You returned a whole bunch of the same pieces on defense. Sure. So that would be the closest thing. But even with that group, there was a I mean, lot was of it was questions. it good depth? Like, was it good? No, you know what I mean? Like, I no, guess it wasn't like this. Yeah. For it me, I look like on this. defense and I look at what you have coming back from starters, and then the depth that's just been redshirting or just waiting their turn. And it's, I think, it's the most you've had in, in I don't even know. But I then would, offense, what's what's interesting to me, and kind of, I guess, where I was going at with the question is receiver and quarterback. Those are like your biggest questions on offense, and like for that to be a thing for Texas tech. Like we could sit here and tell people like how good we think Quan shorts is and how much prove or yeah, we think it's going to be Duffy. Uh, but you know, uh, Carter could win as well. You know what I mean? Like we, I don't think we've had that That's conversation in, no, in, in a while. 
No, because, I mean, the last time you returned this much, really just in general, the last time you returned this much on a football team, I would say was probably that that 07 season going into that 2008 season. But then okay. your, your quarterback position, like you said, was obviously settled and you knew who all your receivers were going to be and all of those kinds of things, things were settled in. So we really haven't had a situation that's comparable in my opinion, anyway, maybe some of those years, like when you think about like 2004 to 2005, where you change quarterbacks there, you know, like whenever you go from uh, you go from like Sonny Cumbie to like Cody Hodges, those teams were pretty similar personnel wise. But just like you said, as far as the depth defensively goes, uh, you return literally not eight out of nine starters on your off on in the trenches on offensive and defensive line. Uh, you returned, you know, two All Big Twelve linebackers basically. You return every single starter in your secondary. You return every single starter, uh, basically everywhere except at quarterback and, and at receiver. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting to see how they play things in the bowl game. With that being said, too, I mean, it's just a situation where, as far as I know, I think Nick Shimnick's going to start this game and has a pretty long leash as far as starting the game now, but. I just wonder if you have any packages in there for McLean Carter, Jet Duffy, and depending on the direction that game goes. Because it, it would not surprise me one of either ways with how this, this this bowl game goes where South Florida comes out and they're super motivated because they're not a, a group five team and they just want to prove some things and say, hey, we'll go out and beat this you know power five team and just prove that you know we were a really good football team this year. Or maybe they come out and – Despite being motivated, they're just not nearly as good as everybody thought they were because they didn't play anybody that was you know worth a crap. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But I, I think there's lots of interesting uh, storylines, I guess, going into this bowl game, seeing with how little you lose. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the only thought I'll leave us with to, and, and yeah. we're gonna have more on this, is that I just keep going back to that Houston game. Like, okay, take Ed Oliver out of the equation, which is you know obviously just for conversational purposes you know mike thomas is not chopped liver right you got right. him up the He's middle good, yeah. you got dakota allen up the middle you've got you know a whole season's worth of experience well, yeah. yeah eli howard you got a whole year years of experience in your secondary and depth there so i just i mean you know obviously they're up to the task um and, and their offense can be contained it's just a matter of what we see from offense from the red raiders and that to me like i'll say for the third time it's just weird to say Right. I mean, we're, yeah, we're we have this confidence in the defense and then it's like oh, we don't know which offense will show up. <laughs> well, I, I, I get I get it for sure. But I think the one thing that makes me feel confident about maybe then moving forward is that wouldn't you say over his career as a head coach or coordinator, either one, whenever Cliff Kingsbury's had his handprints on an offense, this is the only one ever that's not at least been like pretty good, you know, so I, I think you would say that this year by default and by reading that. So far, anyway, is the anomaly, is the exception to the rule, right? Yeah, you'd say that, for sure. So, I, I think that that's, that should give you some confidence maybe moving forward next year, especially considering you're going to return all five starters on this offensive line. Uh, you bring it back a whole bunch of depth, which, by the way, had no idea until Brandon Jones brought this up a couple weeks ago when he was on uh, the coaches show. They've got 19 guys in his meeting room right now, and I could not tell you the last time that an offensive line at Tech had anywhere near those kind of numbers. Yeah, no, that's depth, and um, and you look at that compared to how the 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 line played this year, and really across the board, you're going to have the whole thing back plus you know additional depth. So um, yeah, I mean this is this is what you want from a numbers perspective, and then of course we're going to get into the 
specifics of 2018 recruiting, what that does for the room, who's leaving, so on and so forth. But yeah, to have 19 guys in that room is something that hasn't, they haven't had that in probably four to five years. So well, that's, they, it's they impressive. They certainly didn't in 2013 because I remember how, how bad that situation was overall. So yeah, it's, it's been since at least 2012 since you had that. So uh, I, I guess we can just kind of transition into, into the next thing we wanted to touch on. Just saying all that, Matt, is uh, obviously it's in-home visit season. It's official visit season. You kind of got both going on. Uh, with the offensive line specifically, I think you're you know you're pretty close to being done with that class if you're not done with that group overall. And uh, yeah, I, I figured it was just one of those. Uh, you know, I just figured it's one of those situations, like I said, with the O line where you're just kind of done with that group because you have Demarcus Marshall as the bell cow. Uh, Hakeem, Hakeem White's a good player, uh, and you've got a couple other nice pieces in Troy Bradshaw and uh, Clayton Franks too in that group. So that's probably done up. Uh, I know that Coach Jamison's out, you know, seeing some guys, and then the rest of your uh, coaches are out seeing a bunch of guys. I think specifically, Matt, the most interesting thing right now is probably on the defensive side of the ball. Everybody wants to know what you're doing, where you're going, and uh, we can just kind of talk about it, Matt. But uh, I know you heard about uh, a couple prospects that uh, that uh, Terrence Jamison's going to check out. Uh, yeah, Coach Jamison, I know we posted on the board and we can share here. Um, he stopped in Houston this week. Uh, he's actually, today we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. I uh, stopped by Aleph Taylor to see Joseph Ogan Banjo, who is a longtime Baylor commitment. Uh, I cover Baylor, so he was able to tell me that he is open to taking other visits. He's signing in February. Um, he's looking at Cal in Utah. So I don't see why, you know, a renewed sense of interest there wouldn't uh, garner you a visit. But but I don't know. Right. I mean, a lot of things change at this time of year. Um, but I've already been messaging with him and, and we'll reconnect later. The other was Katie Taylor. Uh, they've got a lot of talent there, especially along the defensive line and, and offensive line. Um, but one prospect in particular that we've reported on is Otito Obanya. I'm pretty, sure, yeah. pretty sure I nailed it either yeah. way. Um, <laughs> his uh, his brother's a freshman on the track team at right. Tech, and he's visited unofficially a couple times. Now, I will say, though, you know, like I've reported on the site, you know, over the past month, it hasn't been a like a big press on him or anything. And, and I would have to say that that probably jives with what they're trying to do with a guy like Dorian Gerald or even Charles Cameron. You know, maybe it's a numbers thing um, for us to really get into that and work the math and do some of those things. It's just, I hate to call it a waste of time, but it's such an inexact science that I'm not going to go there, but I think you're just going to see this. Sometimes there's a thread about it on the board. You know, they're not necessarily always saving scholarship spots, but you have to look at what your needs are each year. And so if you, you know, if you, you time travel with us a little bit last year, we we're talking about taking what what it end up being like eight or nine defensive backs. Yep. That's, um, that's why this year, you know, you've got Makai Garner. And outside of that, based on what you and I have been told and what we're hearing, you may not see any others. And that's just on an on a on a, an example of how, you know, from one year to another, you know, you may stock up on that this year. If you want to correlate that uh, same idea to the wide receiver position. Uh, all along, you knew you were taking five or six guys and, you know, sure, different things can change that over the over the course of a season. Um, but now you've got a lot of receivers and, and as opposed to last year when you took one and then we all know what happened when when that didn't work out. Um, so you just had to replenish that position. Now, another thing. Defensive line, 
you know, it wasn't it wasn't even a month ago. It was maybe two weeks ago that you posted about Eli Howard uh, being given another year of eligibility. Well, that changes your numbers too. Because that you means know, you probably take one less. Yeah. Yeah, you go from wanting to land a a pup in high school, redshirting him, and and building him up into the program to okay, well, You've got one. we yeah. might not <laughs> might not need that, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of different ways to look at that. It's not always such a one to one thing, or a hey, they did this so that they're going to do that. Um, it's it's very multi layered. But um, yeah, I don't want to beat a dead horse there. But but yeah, those are two guys that they've seen. I think. You know, with Otito, obviously he's listed at defensive end, but he's big enough to slide to the inside. And both of these guys, the the, the thing I like about Otito and uh, Joey is that they're both really young for their age. Um, And when you look at at both guys, both are actually stand out like state championship level track athletes as well. Otito, who throws shot put. And, and who has track offers himself. Um, you know, he was just offered by Virginia last night. So things are kind of heating up for him. I know Texas stopped by to see him today as well. And I already mentioned the other schools that are in on Ogun Banjo, and I'm sure there's going to be more. But, um, you know, I've got a good relationship with both guys. We'll get more information, get more details. But but right now, um, it looks like for the most part, you know, aside from those two updates, when you just look at the offer sheets all across the board, I know last week we talked about Craig Williams and we talked about a few other guys. It looks like the coaches are really checking back in with some of these guys that they had recruited and offered. Yep. Yeah, and they're just seeing, you know, what what's up with them, right? Some because you've got different guys. Yeah. yeah, and you've got different guys who um, I had posted about it earlier. But for example, Sean Preston is a guy out of Louisiana who committed to Mississippi State over Texas Tech. Well, you know, Mississippi State's head coach used to go to Florida. They quickly hire another coach. You know, he's he's basically said all the new coaches are saying the right things. You know, I haven't decommitted and and don't plan on it, but. Uh, Coach Jaluk did stop by, and uh, it would be a possibility to to visit Tech and and just to make sure, and and I think you know all that's just genuine and straightforward. So what I think they're doing is going back, kind of hitting on the guys they have a relationship with, and just really, if you look around, I mean, it's like we talked about last time, you know, all the firings have happened, some of the hirings have started to happen now, and we're starting to see a chain reaction. I think a perfect example of that is Arkansas leaves, right? So, okay, well, the coaches are going to call Byron Hanspark. All right, well, that didn't happen, you know, and, and, and that's just one example. And then, okay, Coach Morris is going to leave SMU to go to Arkansas. Well, that's twofold, right? Are there any SMU guys you could call or, or maybe throw a, a line to? Maybe. Right. Uh, but also, Chad Morris was a high school football coach. Uh, in the He was Joey McGuire before Joey McGuire was Joey McGuire, right? Let's put it yep, that way. He was. So, He's going to hit the state hard, more so than any Razorback coach has in recent memory. So these are all things that are changing about the dynamics of recruiting in Texas and different coaches going to different places. And, and what we're going to probably end up talking about next week uh, that is that is you know connected to that conversation is what assistance do they bring? You know, who's hired in behind them? What assistance are they hiring? So by no means is the coaching carousel slowing down at all. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's fascinating to watch. You can't look away. Yeah, it, it is. As, as you just kind of see where, 
all these coaches decide to swing by and uh, like you said, just putting out a bunch of feelers right now with guys that you you know recruited at one point and maybe they lost interest or you said, hey, we'll check back in with you. But uh, yeah, it seems like there's lots of that going on right now. Uh, I think one interesting guy like you pointed out, Matt, was uh, Craig Williams, who's a running back at, at Crosby, correct? Correct. Correct, yeah, Crosby. And uh, he's a guy they were in on early on, and uh, you know I think he's running back they're certainly interested in. And then you see some other interesting things where you know I uh, you know I heard about uh, New Caney quarterback Jordan Cooper, who's a guy that's kind of listed as an athlete, uh, plays quarterback at the high school level, but Tech and I know Coach Jaluk stopped by to see him. Uh, Tech's interested in him as a running back, who's a guy that's you know six foot, two hundred pounds. So yeah, you're just getting to that kind of point in the year where you're seeing lots of interesting movement and. I don't know, if there's one area where, and I, there's not really any way to predict this, but if you said, hey, this is where I expect to see the most movement, I guess, what would you kind of think that is off the top of your head? I mean, for me, it obviously based on what we've just kind of run through, it's going to be a running back or it's going to be you know a defensive back or a defensive lineman. I mean, I think that's it. We haven't seen the coaches really move linebackers out Benson and it, it kind of makes sense because as much praise as we give to Brooks and Allen you, know, you guys were able to see what Jeffers could do this year and that still doesn't even account for guys like a Pacone um, who else am I thinking about in that linebacker depth um, uh, uh, Jamil, Jamil Johnson well him and then there's the kid out of Houston oh uh, Christian uh, Taylor no, there's another one. Stringer, sorry. Oh, Braden Stringer, sorry. You, you yeah. just, that, that's the point, right, is you got three or four guys behind there that are, you know, capable of playing good football. So, you know, if they're not enamored with a kid, then, uh, you know, we may not we may not see anything happen. I, I don't know. I mean, going back to that whole coaching uh, carousel discussion and, you know, what happens next, I even checked in with a few Arizona State commits to see if they were uh, – all in on uh, Mr. Herm Edwards, um, and, and I've gotten some responses. But, you know, just targeted guys. Like, I know Michael Matus is a defensive end out of Katy, so I checked in with him, but, you know, he's happy he's going to go there and, you know, didn't rock the boat, didn't ask about other, you know, stuff. <laughs> yeah. But you look at you look at them, and I, I say this because I'm just a big fan of his, but you look at Jacoby Simpson. He's a linebacker out of Houston MacArthur. He's 6'1", 230. I mean, this guy is – Jordan Brooks or Jeffers or, or Dakota. I mean, he's built right now to play linebacker. Uh, he's huge. He just doesn't talk much, doesn't do him any interviews, but um, he's committed to Arizona state. Be interested to see who he's hearing from, you know, what his thoughts are on, on, you know, going to an NFL ready program <laughs> with Herm yeah. Edwards in the game. Oh man. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, by, uh, just, the I'm way, sure there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of different irons in the fire, right? I mean, we wish yeah. we knew about all of it, but this time of year it's, it's next to impossible, you know? Yeah, it is. And speaking of what are your thoughts on the whole Herm Edwards thing real quick? I mean, that's like a, to me, that's like a thing that like makes, absolutely zero sense as far as a guy that hasn't coached in 10 years and hasn't coached in college in 30 years i'll say this i am not one to rush and provide my opinions on on twitter i can see this being like a, um i, I don't know i i could see this going better than most people are saying because i think what you see in front of the cameras is a personality that that uh, or a persona that that uh, that Edwards put it puts out there the whole you know uh, almost like a, a ring announcer for the WWE. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't think that 
he hasn't been this successful in life if that's who he is behind the door as well. Like, I think he's really going to be able to, you know, I don't know, give that tough love to some of these kids who, you know, let's be honest, between you, me, rivals, 24-7, anyone else, like, we prop these kids up. We 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 create no interviews, and we create respect my decision. Like, we, we create all of this, right? And not all kids are like that, but yeah. they get to college, and we can promise you guys, we say it every year after the signing day, the stars go away, coaches don't give a you-know-what about how many offers you had when you get to campus, you're theirs and you better put up or shut up. And I think tech fans should know that more than anyone. I mean, there's the same people that are doubting, you know, wham, man, we, maybe we shouldn't recruit four stars. We don't have any luck with them, you know, because they come and they flame out. So I get it. I mean, but I just think that Edwards will not only be able to use his list of contacts to, to help, uh, maybe motivate or facilitate some, some things over the course of a year, uh, at Arizona State, but also you got to remember they've they've left the OC and the the DC in place, and Edwards is just going to add his experience and oversight to that. So that's where I, you know, yes, it's easy for them to dangle the carrot over here and you know make fun of him and do all that. I don't I don't not put any stock in that, but I also think what people aren't accounting for is that I don't know. I mean, to me, so what? He hasn't coached in college, right? I mean. Apparently, he's not going to be calling plays or changing anything on, on what they do on defense. He's just coming to bring a lot more accountability and structure and purpose to what they do. And to me, okay, cool. Let's see how it works. Like That's, that's just my thoughts. That's fair. I, I Just to me, it's just a – I don't know. It's just an odd hire, I guess, is was – is just my thought for it. but uh but anyway uh I, I guess moving on uh I guess what else is you know any any other prospects that really stick out to you that they're going to going to see or, or anything as far as like non-commits or anything like that no I mean I think we hit on all of the major ones and um you know I published a story earlier today on Dorian Gerald I mean if if he visits, I'd be surprised because he's recruitment. Of, yeah, yeah he just started over on the 12th of November, and I think you're seeing it come full circle with the open contact period. I mean, literally every SEC school, every, uh, you know, you name it, right? They're all coming after him, showing a lot of love. So, yeah, I'd be impressed if Coach Jameson got him to campus. And, um, I mean, it sounds like they're making their pitch. And, you know, a lot of people have criticisms of Coach Kingsbury and his recruiting but this is a time of year where he gets on the phone. I mean, you you saw Gerald's quotes about how uh, Kingsbury reached out, um, and and you know this is this is the coffee for closers time. I mean, this is what it is. And I'm not going to get on here and say that I expect some different result from the Tech coaching staff. And I'm also not going to get on here and, and bash them for anything in particular. Um, but let's let's call it how it is, right? I mean, these guys aren't out there they're not known for like flipping commits or um, landing these big targets over a school like a Florida or an A&M like, right. I mean, that's just not yeah. what the staff's MO has been. And if you look along the, the commitment list, I mean, that just kind of echoes that sentiment. So um, I mean, I, I think they're going to get the guys that they want to go after and maybe the class will take a little bit more shape from there. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I was going to say, I mean, uh, I, I didn't notice it. Uh, nobody bothered to email us, but uh, Poster noticed that the rankings were updated. Uh, we, I know we yep. should have expected that with the Rivals 250 and all that, but I uh, didn't expect the position rankings to come out so quickly. Yeah, I, I, I got a kind of mixed review here. Like, you know, Gabe Duckless should have been a four-star the entire anyway, time. Yeah, yeah, always. But 
I also wonder like who went and saw who went and saw Makai Garner and Alan Bowman and who who yeah. went and saw Bradshaw and Franks to say that they were too sorry. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to, you know, waste any time there, but you go in like three or four, five, seven, three stars to now basically having all those taken away and Brumfield, who should have been a five seven the whole time, is now a five seven. So I don't know. That to me is a little unnerving. Um, but you look and it's one, two, three, four, five total two star prospects. And, you know, I don't know. I've seen Jabari James play once and I don't want to like jump off the, the deep end on that one, but he didn't strike me as a two star. Hutchings, that's fair. He didn't play all season, but at the same time, like it still doesn't strike me as a two star guy. John Scott, who I don't know anyone's season because he's plays in Hitchcock. Right. Um, I don't know. I think that's fair because nobody talk, doesn't talk to anybody. Maybe nobody saw him. But Bradshaw and Franks, both those guys play for pretty large high schools. Both those guys are going to be first team all district, and both those guys have other offers. So I just I think it's kind of lame on that rating. But then again, whatever, right? I mean, the, to have to have kids that are five point three two stars like that this late in the in the process, like that is not reflective of texas tech recruiting that's reflective of rivals.com and you know you and i will just have to to go and fight those battles ourselves right yep nope i agree with you 100 i completely disagree with a lot of that and like i said it's curious that some of these guys just randomly got their rankings changed and haven't heard anything about uh you know why that might be or or what the deal is yeah. but uh, happy to see Gabe Douglas get a fourth star. Uh, happy to see Devin Brumfield move up. Uh, interesting to see some of the other movements. So, yeah, I don't get it. It just seems lazy to me. Like I don't know how you could have, like, uh, for for one instance, right? You have, uh, like, let's say you you didn't think Alan Bowman was a five seven three star. Okay, five six. Not. I mean, I'm not going to go to war on that. Right. But you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that Makai Garner and Xavier Benson, they were 5.6, but now they're 5.5. Like, for what reason, right? Like, I know that that yeah, doesn't affect... why would you affect, make that change? Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. Because it's not. And, it doesn't and, affect the rankings. It's just like, why would you make that switch? Yeah. Well, I guess my point is, though, and I'll do this on my own time, but I don't know. Te- like, Texas Tech is one of the largest sites on Rivals, right? Yep. And, and when I say that, like, you know, top 15, top 20, which is good. For, for size of the program. If I were to go to UTSA's commitment list or Houston's commitment list, do you think I would find five two stars? Probably. I don't know, bro. You don't think so? I mean, I could try, but it. I just, I would venture to no. know. I would, I would say that I don't think so. As in you think they'll have fewer than that? Yes. As in all three stars? Yeah. I mean, okay. that's fair can look right now yeah let's 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 take a gander here on completely on wrong about Houston. but i get it though i, get I guess the saying. point is do you want to do you want your commitment list to more closely resemble those or do you want it to to not right not not would yeah be the key so anyway yeah wrong on both but not by much right yeah, not that much. So, you know, you got you got Houston and UTSA with maybe six or seven two stars and tech with five. Uh so uh, to me still not great. Yeah, but, not not anyway. great. Not great, Bob, as as the kids would say. <laughs> um but uh I guess we'll see. Uh we'll have I guess one more round of rankings, I guess, here, uh whenever things finish up in February. So 
Yeah, and you'll have senior tape, and a lot of yeah. a lot of things will fall. I mean, it's pretty crazy right now, and I would imagine that there wasn't a lot of uh, publisher feedback or or recruiting analyst feedback this time around because of that. But uh, we'll put our two cents in and, and see what we can do. At the end of the day, right? We hadn't seen John Scott either. Shame on me, and um, you know we're not able yeah. to see yeah Franks or, or Bradshaw. But I mean, I gotta say, in, in my opinion, right? Especially like forget about those guys. Like look at Xavier Benson. Like I personally, I'm on record saying there's nothing wrong with a three star. But at some point in time, you got to look at our recruiting formula and say, okay, a guy is a five five or he's a five point four. How much of a difference are you gonna are What's you gonna difference? Yeah, yeah. What is the difference, right? And what we've been told is a five point four two star is someone that is going to make a P five roster and could possibly start. Okay. Okay. Well, then what's a 5.5 then, right? How's that not the same thing? Is a five? That's my question. So does that mean a 5.5 is a power five, like average power five starter? Right. And, and, and I would be fine if that's the answer I get, because I've always been told that a 5.7 is a definite P5 starter with the, with the, with the an all conference team. That's what okay. I've been told. And then, you know, so, so I don't know it, again, it's all a fake ranking system. We can argue until the, the cows come home and uh, we can all wish that that uh, it was Alabama and they're all five and four stars and we wouldn't have to worry about I ain't it. played but, nobody, Paul. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, I mean, none of this matters. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about Wes Welker was a two star and all that good stuff. But from right. a rival standpoint, you know, for our paying members, I feel like we should discuss it because you got you have commits with other P5 offers that are ranked as a 5.3 two star. They're all conference. I'm sorry, all district first team players in Mansfield, Texas, okay, not yep. uh, not not Hutchings like we were talking about before, okay, Mansfield, Texas. So it's six A football, and they're a five point three two star. I don't know if five point four is a possibility of starting. I don't know what five point three means. Does that mean uh, a group of five uh, player? I mean, I don't know. Does that mean right? a group so, of five starter and like bench rider at a power five? Yeah. So uh, anyway, I mean, yeah, put a put a bow on that. But that, yeah, that just that kind of ruffles my feathers a little bit, right? We can pay so much attention to uh, to what happens in that 5.5 to 5.7 range. And, eh, those guys were two stars. We'll just leave them as two stars. Like, that, it doesn't make any sense to me. Nope, I will agree with you. And we will uh, wrap that bow and put that little Christmas tree, well, excuse me, put that little present under the Christmas tree, or we can put the little Christmas tree under the present if, if I whatever can get my words in reverse, whatever. <laughs> whatever you're into. Whatever you're into, however you like it. Um but, um, so, yeah, obviously, some things we disagree with, but got another round of rankings coming out here in a couple months, and we'll see uh, if anything changes, and uh, hopefully we get a better notification next time of when those changes are coming about. And speaking of the guys that uh, are being recruited, uh, the guys that recruit them, You've got a couple spots open on your uh, coaching staff here, Matt. And the reason I say a couple is, obviously, you let go of Joe Robinson as your special teams coach here this last week. And uh, Coach Kingsbury said they just wanted to move on in another direction and do something else there. Whether that means uh, now you're going to add another position coach, or you're going to add another special teams coach, or you're going to add somebody that does both. Or they're just going to have a GA and a couple other guys you know, wrangle up special teams Whatever it means, uh, that's what we're here to talk about because on top of that, you're adding a 10th position coach 
Uh, starting on January 8th is when you can officially make those hires, and I guarantee you there will be a number of schools that on January 8th have a hire in place for their 10th assistant. So, yeah, what Matt and I just kind of want to do here is just kind of sit down and think about what could you potentially do with both those spots, especially with the 10th spot. Uh, but we can talk about both and, and, and go into both, but you've got two position coaching spots here open here, Matt. And that's without having any other kind of attrition or change to the staff. So, assuming you bring back everybody currently on staff that's here, what do you think first? Uh, let's just talk about the ninth spot first. Do you think we return? Do you think we replace special teams coach? What do you, what do you think kind of happens here? Well, I mean, I think the interesting part there is you got to allow yourself to remember what it was like before they hired. Um, before they hired the the previous Coach guy, Johnson, to, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, to do just special teams, you had Coach Chev who was doing wide receivers and special teams and and doing a good job of it. So um, I think it will be interesting to to say the least. Um, I guess when just looking at could, to me, right? If we're gonna on one hand, because I watched y'all's roundtable, if we're gonna say that Robinson or any special teams coach really isn't like helping them with their kicking technique and stuff like that. They're more so just coaching the special teams. Right. If if we're, if yeah, if we're making that the, the, I don't know if we're making that the, the truth or or like our report, then why should you even have a special teams coach then? Right. Like, I mean, I get that it, both sides make sense to me, but if you're not going to help with that stuff, then what's the point, right? Like, let's go find somebody. And I know he had a background on the D line and stuff and Hey, you know, Great for him if he helped out with that. He did. But, I'll just say that. Okay. So if that's the case, then go hire a position coach who can just help in practice with special teams. Because if that really is the case, if you're not sitting there with Dominic uh, and, 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 and watching him do punts and working with the team on this, that, and the other, then I'm sorry. Open up the spot for somebody else. Get another linebackers coach. Get another D-line coach. Um, I cover other schools that have multiple coaches at multiple positions. Jones and Morris who handle receivers. I just don't see it being that big of a deal. You've got Manny Ramirez and, and Brandon Jones who handle the O-line. So, yeah, I mean, get another D-line guy. Get another guy in the secondary, you know, safeties and cornerbacks, whatever you want to do. But no more special teams. Yeah, and I think that's uh, I, I think that's fair. It's It's been, like we said, a mixed bag. I think your coverage units have been fine. Uh, you haven't gotten much out of your kick return and punt return game in the last couple years really at all and you can say well is that because of the strategy or is that because of your players and i'd say i don't think it's because of your players because you've got some really talented guys uh that that i think have potential to be really good returners in kiki kuti and cam batson and daquan bowman and jojo robinson so uh i I think all those guys are capable returners so i I just don't know what the the thought there is because i think in the past the thought was you feel like your offense is good enough that you just don't want to botch it and you don't want to take the chance, which I understood, so that's why you didn't make any many punt returns. But uh, anyway, the, the whole issue comes back to you miss too many kicks and you, you just can't do that uh, in, in Power 5 football. You cannot miss as many kicks as you did. I mean, if we sit back and think on it, I mean, you're probably three field goals away from 8-4 and four this year, wouldn't you say, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I mean, at least 7-5. and five. So, I, I mean, I, I, but I guess my whole point is, is that cannot be your margin for error 
in Power Five football. Like, like you just have to be able to, for the most part, anyway. Well, I'll make it. Yeah, I'll make it really simple. If you're gonna, if you're gonna tell a three and four star quarterback, running back, receiver that they have to earn their job every year, then the same could be said for field goal kickers. And I know yes. that they don't go on on scholarship and all that, but they don't do that at other schools too. So you need to get guys that can back them up. And I felt like they had brought in the kid from Allen, but apparently he wasn't ready. Um, Michael Uden. Yeah, and, and, you know, you just had what you had this year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough thing, right? Because when I was in college, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Leach contacted the kid that won the halftime contest. So it's a very subjective thing that, that uh, people have a lot of opinions on. And, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a hard one to swallow this season because at one point in the, in the year you knew that if they were kicking a field goal that you probably disagreed with it. Right. And if you're like a, if you're like me and you're a Cowboys fan, you're so used to, oh, Dan Bailey's going to go out there. He's going to make it. And then whatever yeah. else you watch football on Saturday and Oklahoma's kicker is, you know, banging it in from 43. And you're like, that would be nice. You know, so, I mean, you, you just, you know, you, you make fun of like guys like Jason Garrett and other coaches for coach speak when they say all three phases. You only had two phases this year because without those field goals, you just it was something you didn't have that tool in your pocket. I mean, you were either punting or you're going forward on fourth down. So, I mean, I think that says enough. It does. And, and I think the thing that I'm curious about, too, is, is it all comes back to two is if Clayton Fat Clayton Fatfield, if uh, Clayton Hatfield never gets hurt, I don't think where any of us are talking about this. And I think it would have been an issue. But it seems that. Uh, because Clayton Hatfield got hurt and, uh, you just didn't seem to have anybody there behind him that was capable and it just seemed like you couldn't settle on a decision of who you wanted to go with or what you wanted to do that, that position. It just kind of became a circus of missing all these, these kicks under 40 yards. And even whenever Hatfield, who was, you know, the preseason all big 12 kicker, he comes back and he starts shanking some inside the 40. So... I don't know if that's part of the reason that you decided to move on, but regardless, um, you're going to have to do something different here. So, in my opinion, I think you go back to what you were doing before, uh, where you hire another position coach, whether that be, uh, since you've got two receivers coaches already, maybe you hire a secondary offensive line coach, or maybe you hire a secondary defensive line coach, you know? Maybe you do something along those lines right there, so... Uh, yeah, I think that's very much possible that you do something like that with your ninth uh, coaching position, and that's what I think you should do. Because I think those are two positions with as many guys that are in both those rooms. Uh, you can do a lot with that. And you've already got two guys in your secondary room with Coach Gibbs and Coach Scott, so you don't need another guy there. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think with your defensive line or your offensive line is where you could use a secondary coach if you're going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think we agree on that. And then – you know, we spent a lot of time on that ninth spot. The tenth spot is interesting to me because, um, you know, not to ruffle any feathers, but if we just like how the staff's built, um, well, let's just put it this way, right? When you look at the funds that are available or or the direction that Kingsbury wants to take his staff, you know, it's one of two things. But like you look at Alabama, for example, they have like 32 coaches. Okay. I'm not even suggesting that you have 32 coaches. Um, but clearly there's, there's money to have, um, there's money to have, uh, all the strength and conditioning and agility guys. I mean, there's like seven, six to seven guys on staff with a legitimate title. That's just strength and conditioning. I'm down for that. 
but at the same time, you know, who do you have? You know, you don't have um, a full defensive staff in terms of like position coaches, and you don't have uh, you, don't, you really don't have like a, a, over all of your coaches. You don't have a like a overwhelming list of just grinders or guys that are just known for being like you know ruthless recruiters. Right. All, all due respect to all of them, I'm just saying like we've we've seen so much turnover and so many different coaches over the years. I mean, I would argue that Jaluk Jones and Scott, you know, are your guys that you hear about guys, yeah. like out there grinding the most, and and Jamison to an extent, but he's still new. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think with that tenth position, I would either go find, I would wait for the dust to settle, and I would see what happens with like A and M. Uh, I would I would see what happens with like former Tennessee guys or Arkansas guys. You know, find people that have been in an cut environment loose and already cut loose. Yeah. Well, cut loose or 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 available at the right price because. I guess my whole point is the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Go find someone that has worked for a staff that you admire or that you, in your opinion, recruits well. Okay, bring them in, soak in that knowledge, let them tweak some things, do some things different. Right. I'm by no means saying that what tech does on recruiting is not good enough. But we're always trying to change. You and I are always trying to hire new writers, trying yeah. to come up with different uh, bits and segments. I mean, we're always trying to evolve. And if we don't, we die. So, I mean, I think the same thing uh, is true for the coaching staff. And, and that's what I would like to see from that. And that's not to say they couldn't do that uh, with a with the right high school coach. But I feel like uh, between, between Chad Morris and Coach Rule and a lot of what you've seen lately, I mean, you have that with Coach Jones. You know, you might not have that equivalent for the Houston area. You know, maybe you want to try that. Um, but I just nobody's jumping off the page to me as like the the no brainer hire there, right? Whereas yeah. before we talked about you know a guy like a Joey McGuire, I don't I don't see that guy. Uh, but what I would say is you know there's an assistant at Cedar Hill, Coach Mann, who has a, a West Texas background and yeah. uh, worked at Crosby as well and knows recruiting. Um, there are a few guys that I would suggest, but I would first say, you know, go after a college guy. If all else fits, you can always, um, high school assistants, but I guess in a nutshell, do not hire guys that are already on staff. Don't hire grad assistants, right? Don't, don't, don't do any of that. Like really promote a guy. Yeah. Really fill the position, you know? And, and that's what I think people would like to see, but, uh, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. Um, the curious thing for me is I agree with you. I think that is something that makes a lot of sense to do. Another thing I would be curious about if you do with that position, and I'll get your thoughts on this. What if, and this is just an example, and, and, and if you went this way, you're going to have to get out the pocketbook and you're going to have to pay somebody. But let's say Kevin Sumlin doesn't get hired anywhere or Sonny Dykes doesn't get hired anywhere. What do you say if you bring in one of those guys and all he is is an associate head coach and he's going to be associate head coach, he's going to recruit, and he's going to help you game plan on offense, and that's it? Say that last part one more time. Who was it? No, it, like I said, what what would you – What? and this is a theoretical, obviously, but sure. what if you say you get out the checkbook and you say, hey, Kevin Sumlin, or hey, Sonny Dykes, why don't you just come over for a year or two, hang out, be the associate head coach, and – just go recruit for us, help us game plan on offense, and help me as the head coach kind of run some of the more uh, overarching kind of things with the program. Uh, sure. I guess first opinion there is I know it's just a, a scenario. Um, 
But I mean, Kevin someone's he's gonna go sit on a beach or work on I TV. I don't think he's gonna do that. Um and with uh with Dykes, I mean I just think the optics of that look bad because any the second next year when you lose a game or things aren't going their way, all right, we just need to get rid of Kingsbury and let Dykes run this thing. You know, I just but on the premise of what you're getting at, you know, sure. I mean, I, I don't just like an see anything wrong. Coach Tom. But yeah. the but the one thing that I would not like about that is why why didn't that happen four years ago, right? Why is that happening now? You know, and and I know that. So I, if I remember correctly, Jinx had that had that title. Gibbs well, now has that title. And Jaluk also has that title. And Jaluk, okay, yeah, and then that was probably more so a, a form of negotiation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. No, and, and I mean, like, he wouldn't even be a position coach at all. Like, this is somebody you just hire as the associate head coach that goes and recruits, and you know, does a lot of those. You know, a lot of the just kind of helps you run the program. I guess is what I'm saying, where he doesn't have to like coach a position group. Yeah. No, so that's just that's just the thought I had uh, on that, and we'll see what they ultimately do. I don't know that there's really anything else you can do unless you really just want to start dividing up. I had one other thought: what if you just hired an actual like offensive coordinator who didn't coach a position group, and you said you're the offensive coordinator and you're calling plays, and you didn't, and you just get the game plan, and you don't have to actually coach a position. I mean, yeah, but I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to deal more in like you know, what's realistic. And I just don't see that being realistic. I don't, I mean, you got, you've got Kingsbury and Morris, and then now we're going to have somebody that comes in to be your OC and call plays. Like one of those things is not like the other. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm all for change. I'm all for positive change. I just, um, I don't know. I, I, to me, I'm a recruiting guy. So if you ask me for my real opinion, hire somebody that can recruit, you know, I mean, I I think you see clear improvements on both the offensive line, the defensive line, and really the overall defensive performance. So let them do what they're doing from a a development and a coaching standpoint. I'm not saying that the, the guy needs to be a deadbeat when it comes to coaching by any means, but you need somebody that's just going to go out there and just kill it. I mean, you look at what we have to do, right? Um, and it's not too different from recruiting. We're following all the same people they're offering or, or getting uh, in contact with. And I can tell you guys right now, I cover Baylor, Oklahoma State, and AM as well. Do you know how many texts and direct messages I send on a daily basis? Um, it's a it's a grind, and it's not for everyone. Um, so that's why you see some of the older guys and maybe some of the other guys setting their ways that just don't really care to do that. And so um, – yeah, I, I don't know. Like, either you have it or you don't, right? And and to be in on the guys that you need to be in on, you need the grinders. You look at who the four-star prospects are, and you've got two receivers, both guys, gotten by uh, Emmett Jones, right? Grinder, okay? Yeah. And then you look at the other one, Marshall. I mean, I would say Brandon Jones is a grinder. We just don't know it yet because he's gotten all of his guys already. Everybody um, he's targeted, I, yeah. Yeah, everybody's targeted, is pretty much committed outside of a handful of guys. You know, he didn't get in on time to to truly, you know, recruit the, the elite. Yeah. yeah, the elite level guys, but let's see what he does in 2019. Um, but, but most of the elite talent that you have or the impressive guys that you have, they come from those guys. So I'm just saying, you know, that it is what it is. The, the proof is there. The facts are there. 
No, I think that's plenty fair. And uh, we're, I mean, a month away from you making a hire probably or at least looking for somebody. So for that 10 spot, so it will be uh, interesting to see what you do. So, uh, Matt, before we get out of here, anything else uh, Anything else picking at your brain you want to mention? Well, I don't think we covered, I mean, a pretty big thing that, well, you'd have to tell me whether we covered it last week. I don't think we did, but John Stephen Jones. Uh, oh, yeah, we didn't talk about it. Yeah, we yeah, did tweeted out the uh, – uh, for those of you who have made it this far on the podcast, you probably know who we're talking about, but in case you have not, uh, he is the Highland Park quarterback and the grandson of Jerry Jones, son of Stephen Jones. And, you know, all that aside, right, it uh, doesn't matter who he is. He's another quarterback offer. And when we say offer, it is a blue shirt offer, which essentially means, you know, he pays his way throughout the summer and then right. would go on scholarship in the fall. Um, so it's just one of those things where, um, you know, we have to monitor it. But but what it means is that, you know, I think you covered it for the most part. You know, with Payne Sullins leaving, you need guys to throw the football. Uh, he didn't have offers. Tex had some success. And, you know, adding walk-on quarterbacks, and we touched on it earlier, the uncertainty at quarterback, you know, you just never know. He's not the biggest kid, uh, but he also has a lot of productivity. Um, and obviously comes from a football family. So, I mean, I think there's a lot to like there. We're supposed to talk. I've uh, been going back and forth, uh, but we'll get some more details there. But just pretty interesting from a, a timing standpoint as well. You know, they were able to watch him this season, uh, but went ahead and pulled the trigger. And so there, there's a meaningful conversation had there. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be, you know, worthwhile to see what he says about it and kind of where his mind is and and really what other schools are are keeping him on the line i think the biggest thing to look at there is we touched on it earlier but with chad morris going to arkansas and with the jones family and their connections to arkansas if that really is a thing then i don't think it'll take morris long at all to to maybe offer him or or do the same thing with a blue shirt or a walk-on opportunity yeah and it's my understanding that if he gets a scholarship opportunity that that's what he'll do but uh, I think right now you're in the driver's seat uh, for him. Obviously, you know you're you're his only Power Five offer right now. Uh, but I think the interesting thing is, is if you got it, if you got him as a prospect, uh, you know while he's undersized, I think you'll take guys like him every day of the week on your roster. As far as guys that just know how to win and uh, have done a lot at the high school level, you know. Absolutely. I mean, especially for that type of role, right? I mean, as much as we've talked about the uncertainty, I mean, clearly Carter and Duffy are going to have all the opportunity to to earn that spot. And that's all you want to do is have somebody earn that spot. But I guess for anybody that's like so focused on tech, I would say take one look at Georgia and their entire situation right now. Um, You had you had a guy. Uh, with Jacob Eason, who was a Rivals 100, Rivals 250 type guy, offers from everyone, commits to Georgia, plays as a true freshman. Same thing. You think he's coming back with with keys to the castle. Okay, he gets hurt. Jake Fromm, who is a guy I covered at the Five Star Challenge, another highly rated, you know, recruited guy, comes in, you know, more of a game manager, but he did everything. He lost to Auburn, so what, on the road. You know, the whole team played bad, but – He's clearly going to have that job moving forward. But you look behind that, they've got a five-star quarterback commit in in Justin Fields. So getting to be a crowded room, right? You have the opposite of that. 
Um, but, but I would just say that, that that's what you want as a program. You know, you want the competition, you want the options because at the end of the day, you know, at this time of year, the fans only care about wins and losses. They really do not care if your quarterback is Carter Duffy or some other guy that you bring in uh, throughout this process. Yeah. It'll be curious to see if there are any other guys that you go after. Like you said, if, if John Steven Jones doesn't work out, if there's maybe another guy you take as a quarterback, because I think that the, I think the ideal thing with him is, is that they essentially look at him like a take for 2019. But I mean, you're still going to take a quarterback in 2019, but because he'd be a blue shirt, I think their plan would be, you know, he pays his way through the summer. He's on scholarship in the fall. Uh, and I would guess probably red shirts and you just kind of use him, you know, down the road and, and, and see what you can do with him. But, uh, yeah, that's the thing with me that I'm curious about is to see if, if he doesn't work out, if there's maybe another quarterback target you take, because I think clearly you're trying to add some more numbers to that room, you know? Yeah. I mean, you have to, especially the offense you run. I mean, and we, we never plan for anybody to get hurt. Um, it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, we talk about it. And I mentioned the Georgia example. Heck, I mean, you don't have to go back too far to remember when Mahomes and, and Webb were, were on the roster. And then before that, when it was Webb and a, an injured Brewer and, and Baker Mayfield. I mean, for, for those that can stomach it, you know, you go back and watch those Mayfield clips, you know, while at Tech. And, and who, yeah. who would have known that he's going to be the, you know, do what he's done, right? I mean, you have to respect it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this, that's the way it goes, right? You, you have to have those guys on your roster. You have to have those guys, you know, joining the program. Um, and it's one of those things where there's a lot to like about Duffy, but everything's happened, and, and you know, it is what it is. I think after a full off season, he could come in and, and be true to form. Uh, but, it, again, it only takes one play, and, and he's out. Like, you got to look at his history, right? He had the leg injury in, in senior year of high school. He had the shoulder thing ever since he's been at Tech, and then the whole off-the-field incident. So, I mean, I would say if you're just asking me to provide an opinion – not necessarily the most reliable option, right? And then yeah. about uh, beyond that, you've got Carter, who is a very lightly recruited JUCO guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, not ideal, but I think that they're going to be able to to get Bowman in in the spring. Uh, hopefully, add another guy to the room and and continue to to develop that competition. Yeah, and it'll be curious to see what they do because, like you said, you're going to add Bowman here in uh, a couple weeks. And uh, speaking of, I guess real quickly, Matt, the last thing I'll touch on, uh, I believe you're going to add. And I wrote it down. I believe you're going to add six guys at the midterm, if if that's what I'm thinking of off the top of my head, with uh, uh, Troy Bradshaw, uh, your quarterback, Alan Bowman. You add Corey Fulcher. You add Myler Royals. And then I believe uh, there's somebody I'm – oh, uh, there's somebody I'm leaving off off the top of my head that I'm trying to think of here um, as I – completely botched this um let me look real quick here i can't i can't remember why i can't remember who exactly this is do you uh can you remember exactly say it one more time yeah i, I, I named those four and i'm trying to remember who our other early enrollees here are I'm, I'm i'm trying to pull up my list here oh, okay here i got it uh your early enrollees i believe matt and and and, and uh tell me if i'm wrong troy bradshaw alan bowman Milo royals Corey fulcher jalen hutchings and sterling galban correct I do not think Fulcher is an early enrollee. Okay, so those other five. Yeah, and then Marshall is a possibility, um, but we haven't we haven't had him on the phone. So uh, four to five for sure. Okay. And then you're and then if you land uh, Charles Cameron, you know he would be coming in early. Yeah, so he would come in early. 
So, uh, just wanted to mention those guys real quick. I know that was real riveting radio as we uh, pulled up pulled up our list of guys. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make sure to mention that because that means you're going to sign those guys here in the next two weeks. Well, hey, before we wrap it up, Will, um, if you guys are listening, you've made it this far. I, I posted the thread. I'll, I'll create a new one for next week. But something that we're trying to do, we created a Google voicemail. Um, and, and I mentioned in the thread today, but this is not an original idea. It started as, uh, you know, fans of the ticket or me anyway. They have the crow line where Cowboys fans can call in during and after the game and, and just leave you know obscene voicemails um obviously we're not regulated by the fcc we don't want you guys to be too obscene but you know we also don't care what you say um but we can only pick we can only pick up a, a couple of them to feature on the the podcast our, our buddies at sooner scoop had started doing it on the ou site thought is very entertaining i think you guys might end up liking it uh but it's a phone number you call in Leave your first name, last name, and and you want to talk to us about football? Perfect. You want to talk to us about the coaching carousel? Perfect. You want to talk to us about recruiting, the basketball season, upcoming baseball season, whatever you want. The world's your oyster. Um, Call, leave us a voicemail. doesn't matter when we record the podcast. Uh, We'll both listen to them, decide, you know, what – what are the best ones, just like we would on a Matador report with questions, yep. and, and we'll feature you guys here on the podcast with real audio. Yep, and uh, would love, like Matt said, to have you guys call in, uh, get you guys to interact more with the podcast, and be able to have your voice heard and where we can you know, have some more stuff to talk about, uh, obviously, because you guys, uh, you know, there's things we don't think about that you guys can, will think about that, that come up as great topics. So anything that you guys would like to you know call in, and like Matt said, you know, not – you know, like we don't really care what you say. Uh, you know, super obscene. We're probably not gonna, you know, bring it up. But again, uh, anything, your, your frustrations, your thoughts, uh, questions, yeah, just just fire it on over, and uh, we'll try to get to it starting next week. Excited to hear what you guys have to say. So, uh, once again, guys, uh, thanks so much for listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it this week, and uh, have a great weekend. See ya.